10 episodes ago, Sefran told you all about his trips to Japan. Now it's my turn, as I've just got back from a two-week holiday there myself. And it's time for Sef and I to catch up about how it went in this episode of Octal FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we're following on from uh, a previous episode, episode 28, uh, where Sef talked all about visiting Japan, uh, which he's done a few times. And we're following on from it because I'm, lit- I'm, I'm practically fresh off the plane. <laughs> Did you still feel that jet lag? Yeah, I can still feel that jet lag. Fresh off the plane from our trip from, from Tony and I. We went to Japan for, and I think we mentioned that right in the in that episode in episode twenty eight that I, was, I think you were basically like, okay, we need to we need to get on to booking this now. Yeah, this is, yeah, uh, exactly. It's gone um, on long enough. So you know that really sort of spurred us on, and we booked it all up, and yeah, we we went for two weeks, and we've just got back, um, and so we thought uh, it would be cool to to sort of talk about our first experiences while they're mm-hmm. still fresh in my mind and also because it's a yeah it's a cool follow-on um and there's definitely a lot a lot to talk about i think we could probably fill a few episodes <laughs> yeah well it's one of those isn't it where once you start talking about your experiences you go oh yeah and then we did this thing yeah. and you know <laughs> it kind of leads into another thing again and again and again exactly but we'll try and keep it as succinct as we can because we've not really had a chance to talk about your trip yet really this is sort of the no. actual discussion that we're going to have yeah so you probably find that it does not so much rambling but as it is sort of a more fluid conversation rather than a structured one <laughs> yeah exactly that, that's the political way of putting it right yeah exactly but yeah so we it was something that we'd always wanted to do in the same way that you always wanted to go you know we've we've always wanted to go we're obviously both massive nerds and so that's a big draw um to go to japan and also just it's just one of those things one of those places on our list um you know somewhere to go and visit it's the furthest that we'd ever been that we'd ever traveled at all Mm. the previous longest was probably the maldives on our honeymoon which is like indian ocean but that's like halfway (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) just a bit over halfway to japan so um this was a lot there's not many places that you can go which are much further from the uk no like i guess australia yes and obviously some of the more like southern southeast asian countries yeah but like otherwise, it's 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 a long way. It's, yeah. it's a it's like in a straight shot. It's a twelve-hour flight, and I, I guess you guys changed over in where did you change? We changed over in Europe in both directions. So on the way out, we changed in Frankfurt, and on the way back, we changed in Munich. Yeah. How how did you find the uh, the, the flights and the changeovers and stuff? It was all fine, actually. Part of the reason why we did the indirect flights was to save a little bit of money, um, and also so that we would get into. Um, Haneda Airport, which is their airport that's much more um, central in Tokyo rather than yeah. the Rita Airport, which is kind of the standard international airport, but is quite a way out. And now, actually, if I would go, if I was going to plan this again, I would not discount Narita. You know, I, mm. I kind of discounted it or wanted to avoid it because it was our first time going, and I was like a little bit windy about having to take a big journey on a, you know, on a train or on a bus or something straight after landing. 
in yeah. somewhere that we've never been before. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be able to just get in a taxi and get to the hotel, which is what we did. Yeah. Which makes sense. But now if I was going to plan it again, I would be more than happy to do Narita because actually having seen the public transport and actually how you, you know, even seeing signs to the Narita Express and stuff like that and, you know, yeah. knowing how obvious it is, I would have no problem um, traveling to Narita instead. And, and, you know, maybe that would make it a little bit cheaper or a little bit easier to get direct flights or whatever. I think, it, I, th- I don't know if it'd be cheaper actually, because I mean, you, you got some good prices. We did. Yeah, we did. But I think it certainly would be more likely to be a direct flight because yeah. i don't know if there are any direct flights from the uk to hannah direct or there might so, be no. but i don't think there are um there will all be to narita yeah so in the long run i suppose you would save some time if you flew directly there even though you have to spend like an hour and a half two hours or so going from the the airport to the city center of tokyo itself yeah uh, and like you say it, it's kind of surprising how easy all the public transport is isn't it like yeah i think you were getting there and you were like oh god it's gonna be i have to try and work it out i'm gonna have to like mumble my way through a conversation with a phrase book and google translate mm. and in actual fact it's like no different to being at home yeah the public transport particularly in tokyo i was really impressed by we had city mapper and google maps were kind of the the joined apps that were most useful for public transport city mapper was useful because it actually only has subway and like main rail routes in tokyo which was Mm. useful because it meant it wasn't suggesting us buses or anything weird Ah. it was just suggesting us like the really common obvious things um, and then telling us to walk and we were like we'd rather do that than like get two buses or whatever Mm -hmm. and and you know struggle to work that out um, so that was actually super useful. Yeah, actually, the public transport, particularly in Tokyo, was was amazing. It was just it was just perfect. Like it was really really good. In Kyoto, the the problem we we had more like missteps with the pub. We'll, we'll come on to that actually. First, before talking uh, before going into too much detail about public transport, the structure of our trip was we were there for two weeks. And we did nine days in Tokyo and then five days in Kyoto before traveling back on our final day from Kyoto to Tokyo to get the flight. So we had like mm-hmm. one very long travel day um, where we got up at five in the morning, Japan Ooh. time. And like we were traveling for 28 hours or something like that Ooh, before we got ouch. home. So yeah, so it was mostly Tokyo, a little bit of Kyoto. And we took the Shinkansen, the bullet train in both directions, which was super cool. That was yeah. one of my highlights. I loved the Shinkansen. Um, it, it's a real experience in itself. Like yeah. it's so much more expensive than all the other trains. Yeah. And it would be cheaper to fly. Yes. But it's so, I don't know, it's so convenient. Yeah, like, it was amazing. It was, it was it, so good. It's amazing, yeah. Um, and actually we, we reserved seats in both directions we bought tickets mm-hmm. in advance at the station which was a little bit weird um we, we had a couple of again like that took us a while like there was one time when we did it and it was quite late in the evening and i think we were stood at the ticket machine for a good 20 minutes working out like because <laughs> we were like through. well we know where we want to go and then it's like do you need a basic fare and a, and an express ticket and we're like i, I don't know do we like, do what, we what? i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> and then like you go through it and you do it again and it gives you a completely different set of options and you're like hang yeah on. <laughs> And then the price is wildly different. You're like, wait a second. Um, And then when we were traveling back from Kyoto, we accidentally didn't get basic fare tickets. And then we were like, wait, why were those tickets so cheap? And then we went back in and the guy's like, no, you need the basic fare as well. Um, So that's Ah. actually a tip. If you're traveling on the Shinkansen, the way that it works is that, and this is actually the case with a lot of public transport I noticed in Japan, because we also traveled on a on a train from on an express train from Kyoto to Nara 
And a lot of trains, you might need two tickets, particularly mm -hmm. if it's like a longer journey or a private um, company that isn't like the main company for the transport in that city. So what you need is you need a basic fare, which is like the ticket that where the price directly corresponds to the distance you're traveling, essentially. Yeah. It's like a price per mile almost. And then on top of that, you may need to buy another ticket. And the ticket machines for that may not be until you're through the first gates. So that was something ah. we also had when we were traveling to Nara. We went through the barriers with our Suica cards, which is like the like a Oyster card or, you know, like a um, contactless card, which was super useful. They were amazing. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, cool, right, let's get on the train. And then we got on the train. And as it was about to leave, the announcement switched to English. And it was like, you need a limited express ticket to use this train. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we had to get off the train. And then they were only running every half an hour. So we then had to wait oh, for ages. Man, and the sucks. machines didn't let you buy tickets for any train. You had to wait until your train right. was the next one and then buy the ticket. Like the machines oh, wow, changed from one to another. So that was super irritating. Yeah. But yeah, so sometimes you need two tickets and that includes the Shinkansen. Um, you can buy them in one go. You can be like, I want the basic and the Shinkansen or you can buy them as two separate tickets. Right. You see, I didn't, I didn't experience that. Maybe I did it differently or something or it's like a, a, a new thing. I don't I know. Mean, when we bought our tickets from Tokyo to Kyoto, it didn't really give us an option and it just, we got both. But it was when we were going the other way and the machines were slightly different mm. and it wasn't the default for it to give us the basic fare ticket as well. Right. And so we were like, I don't really get what, like what, what's going on. And I think it's because if you have a like registered Suica card, like a proper one, not just one that you get out of a machine, then yeah. you can use that on the Shinkansen as ah. your basic fare, but you can't with just the ones that you get out of the, out of the machine. Yeah, automated ones, yeah. Yeah, if you register them to an address or an, an, a exactly. bank account or something. It has to be registered. And I think because it's so much, right? Like, because it's like 60 quid. So it's not yeah, going to... Rather than they, like a couple of quid that you go on the train for the day. Exactly. Yeah. But all of the public transport is actually super cheap. Even the Shinkansen, relatively speaking, is like cheaper than long distance trains in the UK. So oh, yeah, definitely. For us, it was like, I mean, this is I so think cheap. Tokyo to Kyoto is like 300 miles or so. Yeah. You know, and it's like, like you say, it's like 60, 70 quid one way. And yeah. That's quite a lot of money, but when you consider that's what you'd pay to go from Manchester to London. Exactly. You know, exactly. And that's on the best the Virgin Pendolino, which is yeah. not the Shinkansen. No, it's it's like it's half the speed. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it, um, you do yeah. you do get good service and it is worth the, the money that you pay. Yeah, it definitely um, is. But everything else, like it, it is super cheap. Like I think it's one of the things I mentioned in, in the previous episode we talked about. I was there for two weeks. Uh, a few years ago and i was only in tokyo in fairness we didn't go to kyoto that time but within that two weeks i think i spent like 70 pounds on transport yeah it's it's you know? really cheap so one of the one of the things that we did actually was we met up with a friend of yours um maki mm -hmm. who took us on a a day trip to um kamakura which is uh, about an hour away from tokyo and the ticket for that was like six pounds one way <laughs> imagine <laughs> like, that yeah. it's like and it's on time and everything is perfect <laughs> oh yes oh yes but yeah so that's public transport was definitely i was i was super impressed and i really really enjoyed the shinkansen it was I, like it was just really really fun we didn't actually we didn't get on the shinkansen at tokyo station we got on at shinagawa shinagawa so yeah we didn't see the like cleaners you know uh oh, the army off, of cleaners yeah, yeah. the <laughs> army of cleaners and stuff because it wasn't a changeover station but yeah just just i don't know everything about it was just so much fun yeah it's a real experience in itself yeah definitely 
Out of interest, actually, because you, you mentioned it earlier. Um, yeah. How did you, because I've never used one, how did you find the taxi service in Tokyo? The taxi driver that we had didn't really speak any English. And oh, bless him. was struggling to work out what, like, I was showing him the, the location and the address on my phone. And even then, it was still a bit like, I was like, do you know where you're going? It was fine. Please. Like it was, it was, it was expensive, but it was really? also, it was not, it was not a short journey. It was, it was half an hour or more. Yeah. It was relatively speaking. It was what I would expect to pay, I guess, for a, yeah. for a city taxi that you've mm-hmm. taken off a taxi rank at an airport. Um, yeah. You know, it's going to, it's not going to be cheap. It's never going to be cheap. So uh, it was fine. Actually, on the you know following on from taking that taxi, the, one of the things we did on the first day, which was a huge highlight um, for the whole trip, really, was we went to an onsen. We went to a, a hot spring bathhouse, and we actually found one in Shinjuku, really near uh, Shinjuku Station, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. If you're going to Tokyo and you happen to be around there, you should definitely go to this particular onsen because it's really new and it's really really fancy. Um, and I think just Taking that like most difficult cultural thing to do and doing it on the first night. Yeah, I think just was jump really, straight in. Yeah, we were just like, you know what, if we just do it right straight away, then we'll really enjoy it and it'll be done. And then we can go again if we want to. And we'll sort of like just immediately immerse ourselves in the fact that we're in a completely different country. Definitely. Because I'd say it's probably one of the weirder things, like the most yeah. culturally disconnected. But it was, but it was actually everything was fine. Like we were both really nervous going in, as you, as you would be, and we're like looking like, what do we, what do we do? Even like it was super useful having your full set of notes about like this is all the things that you do when you go into a bathhouse because it was basically the same as the one that you had suggested to us in a diver. Yes, that was just so useful because we were like, okay, we know this is there's like these are all the steps that at some point we're going to need to do as we go through this place. You're like, ah, now I remember this bit. Seth said something about this bit. I I need to leave these bits of clothes here and take these through with me. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's like somewhere there will be a small towel. I'm, I'm expecting a small towel. <laughs> Where's my towel? Give me my towel. <laughs> but yeah, but that was, that was super, super fun. And I really, really recommend it. Because actually, like after traveling or after you know, spending a day walking around Tokyo, going to a bathhouse is actually super nice. And like mm. a super nice way to relax after a after a busy day, you know, walking around all day. So yeah, that's something that w- I'm, I'm already missing, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not something that's really a thing here in the UK. No. Uh, like, I suppose the best you could get is maybe going to like a, a health spa type yeah. thing, like using jacuzzis and something. But it, it's just not the same. It's, and it, also, it is that's a very super different experience. expensive. Like yeah, this is really. like... Even even a really, really fancy... Like, we didn't go to any Centos in the end, like which is sort of a more standard bathhouse that isn't necessarily... Or isn't hot springs and is more just, like, baths or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This is, like, a an onsen, which is super fancy. And it was, like, I don't know, £13 each. It was, like, 2,100 yen each or something like that. Which, you know, you would pay a lot more to go to a spa in England. 100%, definitely. <laughs> 100%. And then if you do just want to go to the like the bathhouses just to sort of like relax rather than have all the fanciness, you're looking th- 400 yen, 500 yeah, yen, something depending like that, on where yeah. you are, you know, a couple of quid. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's nothing by current. I think it's just because it's so part of the culture. Yeah, like it, yeah. It's very much part of the, so many people choose to do it 
especially in the bigger cities, because that's sort of why they, they cropped up more and more in the bigger cities was because most apartments didn't have space for a, mm. a proper bath. So you went to a public bath. And don't get me wrong, that's, that's changed a lot in the past sort of like, you know, 15, 20, 30 years yeah. sort of thing. Um, more and more places have baths kind of in in the houses in the cities but i mean there's a lot that don't still yeah. um, a lot of older buildings which have like lower and cheaper rents still don't have the space for it so yeah exactly um but yeah so that was definitely one of the biggest highlights and then in general like we both really enjoy the trip and we definitely preferred tokyo to kyoto hmm. i wouldn't change it and not go but kyoto just there's such a higher percentage of tourists around you yeah. and it feels really, really touristy. And yeah. that's totally fine. But Tokyo felt much more like you're visiting a city. And we really like that, like wandering around in another culture kind of thing mm. and just sort of absorbing it and doing and just literally just wandering around and like going into shops and eating food and that kind of thing. Rub- yeah, seeing this giant monolith of a city tick by without any care what you do at all. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Kyoto was like, it was just teeming with tourists. And I was mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised and a little bit sort of like almost disappointed because I was like, we've come in literally the least popular time to travel to Japan. Yeah. How is it so busy? How are there so yeah. many people here? Like the place looks, you know, there's no leaves or blossom on any trees and you can actually that was another thing about kyoto was that i think that it would really benefit from going in a in a different in not winter um because Mm, yeah it's so much of what you're doing is outdoors you know you're looking at you're visiting temples or gardens or whatever and things like that and shrines and stuff like that that's really you know one of the key things that you if you especially for the first time if you're going to kyoto that's what you're going there to see and they would benefit from being seen in nicer weather. Yeah. I think in the winter, it's sort of like, it's still nice and everything looks great, but it's not it's not as nice as it could be. It's a very different experience. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is that because we're actually really close to the 2020 Olympics in Japan, a lot of stuff in Kyoto was under renovation. Um, right, because they're, ready for it. Yeah, because they're sort of renovating stuff to be finished you know later this year or next year in time for the olympics uh and so for example one of the main i can't remember the name of it now but one of the main temples in kyoto you we couldn't see because it was completely covered in in scaffolding and you know and that kind of thing which even more surprised me that it was so busy (laughs) yeah yeah but that was fine like it wasn't it wasn't a big deal but i think that tokyo had a lot more for us Mm -hmm. and you know for the kind of trip that we wanted to do one of the main things that really Tokyo had to offer for the two of us was just all of that crazy nerd and geek um, culture. Mm -hmm. Like being able to go into multi-floor arcades full of arcade machines that you have never, ever seen before (laughs) with people playing them who are clearly like spend a lot of time there playing these games Mm -hmm. and, you know, just... And going into shops that are full of secondhand old video games and consoles, you know, I couldn't believe that there were so many places, particularly in um, Akihabara, you know, which is kind of known for this. And it's just full of shops selling anime stuff and video game stuff and things like that. You know, there's so many shops and they're all going and they're all selling stuff. And I was Mm -hmm. like, how do all of these places make enough money? Yeah. How is there not too much competition? Like... 
to go into somewhere like like one of the big ones is um super potato which is in um which is in akiba and they have just stacks of old games and consoles that aren't expensive like it's not they're not high prices for these things and they some of them look like they've never been used like it's like because they're kind of shrink wrapped aren't they yeah like absolutely mint um equipment and games and stuff like that i even found old copies of edge the uk magazine edge yeah i saw you took a picture of that that's super weird how on earth did that get there like there's a copy of edge in english like proper english copy with a pound sign on it and hilariously it hadn't gained any value (laughs) oh it was exactly the same price as it was when it was when it was made and it was (laughs) from like did you buy it no i didn't buy it it was from the um nintendo 64 era and it was like a diddy kong racing preview um so like from 1997 or something like that and it was alongside like mint copies of nintendo power that had gained value (laughs) that's mad as i wonder how that got there (laughs) there was more than one there was about 10 issues of edge did they maybe like buy like a stack of them online or something from a seller I, i have no idea but anyway like and i actually i bought um a copy of pokemon green Mm-hmm. on game boy hilariously i bought a copy in akiba that wasn't boxed and then we found another one that was boxed in another shop um so we bought that one as well so yeah, i have two copies did. of pokemon green <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that was just amazing um and also actually as a as a tip if you're going to japan and you're you know you're also thinking of going to akihabara um and do some shopping then i definitely also recommend going to nakano broadway which is on the west side of tokyo and if you go to the um, the Studio Ghibli Museum, then it's on the way back from there. And that was similar in that it was full of... It's basically where the original... Um, is it Mandar- Mandarake mm-hmm. store? Which is like secondhand goods, uh, like anime goods and video game goods and stuff like that. That's where the original one is. And it's basically like there's this entire indoor shopping complex and they basically own all of it or like yeah. nearly all of it like some of it is there's like a little bit of arcade and a little bit of like clothes shop and then the rest of it is just bits of mandarake store yeah <laughs> and that actually had more selection than some of the big places in akiba i'm sure if we went into every shop in akiba we would have seen the same things yes but, it, but in the big shops there was actually more stuff in nakano and it was more in you know in one place because it was one big building mm. and there we saw like I mean, it was just endless, right? Like, I really, really enjoyed going into the shops that have the um, rental boxes, yeah. um, which you'd mentioned to us before, where it's like um, people in Japan hire out these transparent uh, plastic boxes and set and use them to sell all of their sec- secondhand stuff. So whether it's um, f- like mostly figures um, and figurines, but also like secondhand video games or mm. um, posters or baseball cards i found like one that was just full of base collectible baseball cards which was hilarious just like that kind of thing like absolutely anything plushes and you know all of that kind of stuff and just wandering around those and being like oh my god there is so many hatsune miku figures yes (laughs) (laughs) and there's so many variations of them as well like it's it's not like you've seen the same couple over and over there's just infinite amounts of them and we had no idea what any of it was (laughs) But it was still really cool. It was just a mi- like I'm, we must have spent like a whole day wandering around those kinds of shops because it was just so much fun just looking at all of this stuff. Mm. And also one of the other things that I did because I'm you know as we probably have alluded to before or if you know me at all I'm really big into cars um, and so I did want to get 
you know, a kind of a little bit of a of a feel of the car scene in Japan, which is quite difficult in Tokyo because it's a built up city. It's not really the right kind of place for it. But uh, there's a building in Akiba called UDX. And that's also where like there's a like an anime gallery thing where they show off uh, figures before they've been finished, mm-hmm. um, which there wasn't anything there at the time when we went. But in the parking garage for there, if you go on a weekend, people bring their I've forgotten the name of them. The The cars with yes, Um, the cars that are covered in—they're modified, but more importantly, they're covered in anime decals. And it's a particular kind of subset of car culture um, in Japan. But it was something that I, you know, I was like, that's probably the easiest thing that I can get to see. Yeah, I think uh, go there on a weekend. And amazingly, we stumbled upon like a proper car meet going on in this parking garage where like half of the floor had been cornered off so that people couldn't park there and it was just full of these cars and they were running like a competition or something it looked like they were handing out prizes oh nice um so there was like a full-on thing going on and there were so many cars and they were amazing like proper like but the level of detail is amazing isn't it so much stuff and there was like someone mid applying a decal to someone's car which we managed to like watch a bit of and there were like proper like 50 year old cars covered in decals and stuff like that (laughs) it was just that was amazing to be able to stumble across that was just was just amazing and that's that's kind of lucky as well because and it's not something you could have done a great deal of research about in advance like you could but you can't need to know someone there or speak the language very very fluently which obviously you don't so like in that instance lucky is definitely part of it and yeah i think some of the times especially when you you go to places like tokyo which are so big and so vibrant that's almost half the fun just kind of like stumbling across things like definitely when they're on without even yeah. realizing it like i've had a few of those experiences too so yeah i definitely get what you mean but yeah so i think that kind of culture and that side of things there were tokyo had even more to offer than what we experienced yeah and so for that alone you know like tokyo was just a massive highlight for us and doing all of that kind of thing and and just yeah, I don't know. It was just the coolest. Going to arcades was a lot of fun. Even if you can't tell what half the machines are telling you to do. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> just like watching them on those rhythm games was just oh, no. absolutely mesmerizing. Oh, like I believe, robots, man. I've never, I've never seen anyone. You know, you see the videos of people playing like DDR, and they're really good, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's just like standard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any arcade in Japan, like you go in, and there's someone playing DDR or someone playing a rhythm game or whatever, and they're amazing. <laughs> I, I don't understand how they do it. I can't. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's really impressive. Other things that were highlights. A lot of people. It's interesting. A lot of people wanted to know our thoughts about foods and like wanted to see photos of the food we were eating and stuff like that and the thing is is that for tony and i neither of us are really that keen on seafood (laughs) oh right and and fish you may have gone to the wrong country yeah and neither (laughs) of us are like crazy keen on on asian foods so like we did really really enjoy the food but it wasn't as much as of a highlight as it might be for other people yeah And the other thing was that because we didn't really like, you know, it's not like our favorite food ever. We were really reluctant to spend a lot of money or go anywhere super fancy. Yeah, I can see that. And so as a result, the places that we went to is kind of like a very much a subset of the food that you can eat in Japan. Um, You know, we went to a lot of ramen places and soba and udon 
places and and katsu and stuff like that and so you know that we didn't go to like fancy sushi places and stuff like that and because i was just sort of reluctant to spend loads of money on something where you know you weren't going to enjoy it particularly regardless of the quality yeah and like tony in particular is always sort of concerned that something might have fish in or something like that and so you don't want to go somewhere where you're not that confident in what's in what's in the food that you're eating Mm -hmm. and you know you, you i'm sure a lot of people would just be like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, just like pick something random and it'll be fine kind of thing. But it was, you know, we had to be a little bit more um, choosy. But that said, the food that we did eat was all amazing. Everywhere you go, even the like really cheap ramen places, the food is really good. Yeah, it is. And actually, you know, people have also asked already, like, what about the cost of eating? And you can eat so cheaply. Yeah, if you, like, if you, if you know where you go in, you like can save so much money. Staggeringly cheaply. You know, we went to places where we got change out of 20 pounds. Um, you know, we got change out of 3,000 yen for like full on dinner, you know, with loads of food, like more food than we could eat. Mm. <laughs> with, with, and that was not even hard to find. Like it's no. easy to find places like that. And be full as well. Like it's not like it's a McDonald's style meal where you eat it and you're still hungry afterwards. Like it's a nice fulfilling meal. Yeah. You'd go places where it's like if you you go to like a cheap ramen place and they're also giving you like rice and you can order a side as well and that kind of thing. And it's like I was really amazed at how cheaply you can eat. But it's almost like there's no middle ground. You either eat really cheaply or you eat really, really expensively. Yeah. (laughs) And there's not really a middle ground. And so... That was quite a challenge. Um, it does help that they have plastic food outside a lot of restaurants. Yeah, yeah it's really <laughs> useful because you just go, well, that looks good. And it looks a lot like the food itself would do. So It's it's weird how good their plastic food is. There's a whole industry dedicated to it. <laughs> like, that is not something we do here. And I think no. we probably should. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful, especially for foreign tourists. Definitely for, for foreign people. But yeah, so eating was definitely a, a highlight and it was really enjoyable. Um, and we had a lot of really, really good food, like every single meal we had was amazing but it's perhaps not as much of a highlight as it might be you know we haven't got any crazy stories about crazy food we ate um because we sort of avoided that kind of thing yeah that's fair well i don't mean to wrap you up but we are approaching (laughs) our our limit i'm afraid oh man there's just so so many things maybe in a bumper episode you could do like a bonus episode yeah i mean i think like the summary of our trip this is one of the few trips that we've been on where we've come away immediately planning what we would the do if we one. came back. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm almost like sad that we hadn't been earlier because yeah, it was sure. so good and it was such an enjoyable trip. It's just such a shame that it's so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and relatively speaking, once you put it all together, you know, flights and hotel, even if you eat cheaply, it's still an expensive trip. It's expensive and it's a long way. You know, the travel was probably the the massive low light taking the long flights was was not fun don't get me wrong like both of us are okay flying we don't get travel sick or anything like that but it's just so long it's a long <laughs> flight. it's a long trip really, really long it isn't just the flights either it's the to and from at the airports and yeah. the trains and everything um yeah exactly but like you say i think you've just got to take that plunge and get it done because when you're there you realize that this is one of the loveliest places in the world you can visit 
Yeah, it's. I think it's really special. I I really understand what you mean now about it being sort of like you know a hidden gem of 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 the world in terms of but somewhere to travel to. You know, it was absolutely super friendly for for foreigners. It's very easy to get around. Loads of stuff is in English. Most people speak enough English that you can get by. You can point at menus. You've got the internet to look up reviews for places and look up what food. You know, look at photos of what food is yeah. served in places. There's enough stuff that you can really get by. I definitely recommend getting a Wi-Fi hotspot that is unlimited and making massive use of that. That's what we did. Yeah, because public Wi-Fi is a bit spotty. Yeah, the Wi-Fi is terrible there. Even Wi-Fi that you can find is really slow. Even when we had Wi-Fi available, like in the hotel, we mm -hmm. didn't use it. And we just used our <laughs> Wi-Fi hotspot the whole time because it was faster. <laughs> I think a lot of the, this is a little tangential, but a lot of Japanese people do the exact same thing anyway. Like yeah. most people carry those little devices around with them. Like if you check your, your Wi-Fi like sniffer, <laughs> yeah. so to speak, you'll find there's like when you sat around you're on a train station, there's like 20 different personal Wi-Fi hotspots all all yes. cramming the airwaves i noticed um, that when we were in the when we were in the onsen and you're like in the changing room and there's like there's about 50 wi-fi yeah. hotspots around you <laughs> you're like, where's mine i can't find mine amongst yeah. all these yeah they've all got the same names as well <laughs> yeah because they're all from the same couple of companies i think that's just sort of how the the cellular infrastructure of the country's just been set up essentially um yeah. so whereas like here in the uk kind of public wi-fi is it's pretty reliable actually you can, yeah. most places have public wi-fi that are pretty good Whereas in Japan, most people just kind of rely on the, the cellular network. Yeah. Because it is better, in fairness, as well. It's, it's faster and it's more reliable. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really fast and really, really good. And those Wi-Fi things last about a day, no worries. Um, so you can just, you know, we paid a little bit more for an unlimited one. So I think it was about £40 for our entire mm -hmm. trip, which I was perfectly happy to pay that because, yeah. I, you know... The convenience and everything of yeah. it. You didn't even have to think about it. Like you say, one of the lovely things about going to somewhere like Japan where it's a more sort of like an economically developed country is that you do have that access to the internet resource. Not just that the internet is there, but because there's people have used the internet for this place already. So you can find recommendations and you yes. can find like directions and things like that. Whereas maybe going to some other countries, it would be a little harder because there wouldn't be as much kind of online coverage of it. So you wouldn't yeah. get as much help. Yeah, exactly. Like just Googling stuff about what you want to do, like a little bit of like advanced prep. You know, if you're if you're traveling somewhere or doing something, you know, like when we were getting Shinkansen tickets, checking it out online, reading about what you need to buy and stuff like that um, helps a lot. Um, you know, reading about the places that you're visiting and stuff like that to find out what to do, you know, was super, super useful. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I don't know, it was... Tokyo in particular was was really easy. You know, we both felt very quickly, we felt super comfortable about being there and, you know, using public transport. And we were just like, we could live here. Like, this is yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. It's such a nice, it's definitely, it may even have jumped all the way up to number one on my favorite cities. Oh, um, fantastic. Like, it's, yeah, I was, I was really, really impressed. And Kyoto was nice as well, but Tokyo was the standout. Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those, unfortunately, where it's now just become that tourist honey trap. Yeah. I don't think it's going to stop being that anytime soon, which is no. a huge shame because it's such a beautiful city. But yeah, I mean, you, like you say, you went in one of the sort of like quietest times of year, traditionally speaking, and it was still overrun. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm really, really glad that you loved it. Like, it makes me happy that you, you had such a fun, hot, hot, you know, good time because mm -hmm. I was sort of like bigging it up a lot. And if you had a terrible time, <laughs> it felt like crap. Um, <laughs> so I'm really, really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And yeah, like we hope that you enjoyed our little kind of 
catch up essentially is what it's been because like yeah. we've not really had this conversation between the two of us yet either and maybe it's inspired you to to visit or reinforce your desire to go or whatever maybe you've been as well and you want to you know you say oh well you missed this you should try this next time yeah like i think that the <laughs> i think that the japanese tourist board probably need to uh be paying us some money for all of this advertising we're doing yeah free advertising uh, especially in advance of the year uh, the olympics yeah exactly um come on get on it get yeah, a partnership going definitely um but yeah if like hopefully this has been useful if you have any questions or any more you know if you if you want any more advice if you're thinking of going to japan i know actually we've we've just been in uh, email correspondence with l chesters who was mm-hmm. on a previous episode and she mentioned that she's going to japan so it feels like people are, are seeing it as a destination more, it and more. more yeah um and so which is really cool because it's an amazing place and you Absolutely. should definitely go take the plunge if you if you have any further questions or want to know more, then you can send us an email. Um, it's show at octal.fm. Or you can follow us on Twitter. We're at octal.fm on Twitter. You can head on to my Instagram, actually. I'm just gelada on Instagram. And uh, go and look at my photos. And I've also, like, highlight put a, together a, like, story highlight on Instagram of all of the, cause as well as the photos I was posting, I also did a lot of um, Instagram story posts mm-hmm. um, and that's, I've put them all together in one highlight. So you can actually work your way through all of those and see all the things that we did. Nice. So yeah, definitely go and have a look at that. Link and to see those. A bit more. Yeah. See a bit more of what we did. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've been Gelada. And I've been Severin. And catch us again for another episode very soon. You know, mm-hmm. full of people playing games and hang on a second. <sighs> Is that a hairdryer? Yes. <laughs> I apologize for having to break you off there. <laughs> Someone didn't think about this, did they? <laughs> Laura, um, if you listen to this episode. <laughs>